All right. Hi, everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben, and this is Pirate CSG podcast number 36. So God Mason is uh, a little bit busier now, so some of those episodes might feature only me. And this episode is going to cover some news, um, some recent rulings by Wolf in the rules thread at my forum, and some other stuff in terms of gameplay. So I'll get straight into it. In terms of news, Wholesale, Hills Wholesale Gaming is one of the best places to get pirate stuff. Uh, they have good prices on packs still, but they have just recently run out of a four-box lot of Davy Jones' Curse. That was for $20, so they're out of that, which is unfortunate, but they still have a lot of good deals available, so you can find a link to that and many other things in the description or the post below. Uh, the next one, new posts are up at Pirates with Ben. I, I'm publishing pretty consistently, oftentimes pretty much every day. So. The newest one is about ranking the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, so you can comment on that if you want. It's a pretty accessible uh, post to look at. So I've ranked all five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I've actually included the best game piece, in my opinion, from Pirate CSG for the first three movies, of course, um, including the with the Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean set from 2007. So I tied Pirate CSG into the post. So just one thing I want to mention: um, if you comment on the pace the pages and posts that Pirates with Ben, that should help the site in terms of SEO and rankings and things like that. So it'll help my site out, help me along, and help the game's popularity as well in terms of Google rankings and whatnot. Uh, The next one, submit your 2018 Pirates CSG Hall of Fame ballot. So this year we're doing, uh, similar to the Sports Hall of Fame ballot, where instead of doing it once a month or once every six months, we're just going to do a ballot at the end of the year. Each person can submit any number of uh, members of the community current or past members, um, and just vote for as many people as they want. So it's best to give reasons if you're voting for somebody, but there's a thread up at Miniature Trading, and there's a link below to the thread at Pirates with Ben as well, where I've submitted my uh, 2018 Pirate CSG Hall of Fame ballot. I've got three people on there, so go ahead and participate in that if you'd like. And then the set reviews are now officially done. So we've literally discussed all existing game pieces, plus nearly all the unreleased game pieces that are publicly known. So I mentioned this because I'm going to base more of the podcasts on the survey suggestions. And one of the more popular ones is game piece reviews or, you know, reviews, blah, blah, blah. So similar, you know, similar survey suggestions. But at this point, we've covered like well, pretty much literally every game piece including unreleased stuff that was just, you know, essentially released by Wolf this year um, with the WizKids documents and whatnot. So so we've already, we've kind of been there, done that in terms of that. So that's why we might not do much more of that going forward. Occasionally, we might do some more in-depth reviews, especially with the, the list of like big game pieces like Abandoned Crew or Lost or Davy Jones, stuff like that, some stuff we want to talk about later on. But for the most part, we're going to be done with that because we've finished the set reviews. And in addition, I've actually done it twice for most of the game pieces that exist because I've got a collection review series on YouTube. You can find a link to that below. And I discuss all the game pieces in my collection. And I've finished all the factions there. And I've got a few more episodes that I've already recorded that I'll be releasing on YouTube. So I've actually gone over most of the game pieces at least twice now. And then some of them more than that many times between the card of the day on the blogs and then the random pirates piece discussion on miniature trading that old thread so and then another piece of news nobody has requested custom game piece reviews um in the survey suggestions and one person even said they wanted less of the custom reviews so i might do less of that uh, moving forward 
And there's a link to the podcast survey below, so you can you can check that out to provide your idea suggestions and your thoughts on what we should talk about in the podcast. So I pretty much always give a link to the podcast survey in every like post or description of the podcast, at least recently. So, all right. So now that that's out of the way, get into um, some recent rulings. So these are I'll cover a few that have happened uh, since the last podcast or so. One that I actually just talked about in a YouTube video is the S Explorer ability. So this one, um, if you're within S7 Island, you can mark the island as explored without docking at it. The island becomes unexplored in regards to all other players. So I was wondering, I had a ship that moved within S of an island, but then she still had a move segment left. This was in the hourly campaign, which I'm documenting on YouTube. And I was wondering if I could use the S Explorer ability in the middle of a move action to mark it explored and then use the final move segment to dock. And therefore, since I've already marked it explored the ability, then I could just take gold right away and uh, and use the that free explore. So and Wolf actually confirm that you can do that as long as the marker is placed before the ship docks, you can use the free explore. So this makes S explorers uh, definitely better and makes them more worth the cost, in my opinion. They're still not worth three points, but I think two would make some sense. Um, so this, this makes them better and makes them more viable as actual explorers. So you, if you wanted a super explorer, it kind of, it makes them better without a doubt. This is a ruling I didn't find the pirate code, so it's kind of a new ruling, if you will, or at least for me and, you know, some of the contemporary community. So, and then a couple more. Um, can, I was wondering if filching gold and the Peter Miles ability, which is basically hoarding gold, so you take all treasure if you win a boarding party, but instead Peter Miles allows you to take gold just from touching an enemy ship. You don't even have to win a boarding. So, and you can, so you can use that, um, against native canoes to actually steal gold for them. Canoes can't be boarded, but you can actually use um, the filching gold and Peter Miles ability. It only requires the ships to be touching. So you can actually you can actually steal gold from native canoes that way. So it's a rare case, but you could do it if you wanted to. So, and then got another question or two um, that I'll hopefully answer soon. And then on to the next thing, which is from a survey suggestion. Somebody uh, was wondering how to use synergistic pieces. So I was thinking they mostly meant combos, I'm thinking. So the one I want to look at right now is adding abilities to flotillas. So the flotillas in the game, there's not too many. They came out in Rise of the Fiends and Fire and Steel. But what's interesting about them sometimes is that you can actually use the plus one cargo ability to put crew on them, which makes it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities. That's what I've got up right now on Venture Trading in the database. I've got the different flotillas and the plus one crew. So I'm just going to go through some interesting combos, including some I've used in the past. So, for example, the Spanish have Diablo, and they also have the Armada flotilla. And Armada's not here for some reason. Let me try to re research it real quick. But they have at least one crew. They've got two crew, actually. Dominic Freda is one, but you probably wouldn't want to use him because he also has Explorer, so he'd be better on another ship. But Master Bianco, the Spanish main version, actually has the plus one cargo space ability, and this crew takes up no cargo space. So nothing uh, prevents you from adding crew to a flotilla. So you could add this crew, then the flotilla cargo goes from zero to one, and now you can add a real crew, um, or one that, you know, one that can actually benefit the flotilla. So, for example, on the Spanish, I've actually used Admiral Alarico Castro from Spanish Main as well, 
he gives the same action twice ability on a five or six for just three points. So this would basically allow the flotilla to shoot twice in a turn. And flotillas already have four shots. And for example, the Spanish ones, Armada and Diablo, cost nine and seven points respectively. So you could actually get eight shots for, well, with the crew, it would be either 13 or 15 points. And that's much more cost effective than eight shots from a six master or a 10 master, for example, depending on what you extra actions you got there, what cannons you had in range. And not only that, but the flotillas, of course, have the extended range. Those two Spanish ones, the range of their guns are S plus S, which is better than almost any ship can do. Ships don't have extended range, at least from with kids. So you've got great range, you've got plenty of shots, and Armada, of course, has, has the cargo wrecking ability. So every hit eliminates cargo, so it's a really devastating combo. And then, just to kind of add insult to injury, you can actually make it even better with the Spanish Zero Limit Ransom crew, uh, Duque Marcus Vaccaro, because he's one of the crew um, that gives you reroll for zero points, essentially, because um, he's got the ransom ability and limit, of course. And then choose one Spanish crew during setup. This crew is linked to that crew. So because of the link, the, sh the ship gets plus one cargo. So with Master Bianco, you have, you've got plus one cargo on the flotilla to give it one cargo space. You fill that cargo space with Castro for SAT. So that's six points total on one of these Spanish flotillas. So then the cargo is taken up. But since Vacaro links during setup, uh, it gives the flotilla another cargo space. And it's it's through a different ability, so it doesn't um, it doesn't go into the conflict with the no stacking rule because Bianco is a, an ability rather than a link. So then the the flotilla has two cargo spaces, allowing Vacaro to come aboard as well. So then Vacaro has the reroll ability, which pairs perfectly with Castro's SAT roll. So now you've got a flotilla with a good chance at same action twice to shoot twice in a turn to get up to eight shots. And like I said, with Armada. Um, you could eliminate cargo with every hit. So you could, you could theoretically, if you hit every time, which is unlikely, she has 50% accuracy on her cannons, but you could theoretically get uh, eight hits and eliminate eight cargo in one turn. And this is a that's a 15-point combo, which is amazing. Of course, you need a ship to tow the flotilla most of the time, but the Spanish have plenty of good fast ships that could do that, including the Monarca, which is a good gold runner, plenty of solid gunships as well. Um, so this is a devastating combo. Um, I've used it at least once, I believe. But anyway, I just think there's a lot of possibility here. And I'll look at some other ones, too. For example, the English can do something similar. Pretty much the same, actually. First Mate is male from Barbary Coast. Gives plus one cargo. So you can put him on uh, the Gibraltar or Tower Flotillas, which are also very good. Gibraltar is my favorite because it's only seven points. And all our cannons are ranked two. So that one's really cost-effective, one of the best cost-effective player power deals in the whole game, really. Um, so you've got Ismail, and then you can do the same combo, basically. For example, you could add Sir Christopher Mings for three points, SAT. Um, and then you could add, uh, the English actually have two zero-limit ransom re-rollers, um, Owen, or Cargo, CRGO from, from Barbary Coast, I think. And then, yeah, and then uh, Countess Diana Dune, the LE version from the same set, I believe. So, so you've got major options with the English. That's probably one of the best combos to add to flotillas. There's a bunch of other things you could try. Um, I'm thinking the pirates, they could do something fun. Speaking of cargo wrecking, they've got Gentleman Joe Card, who gives plus one cargo. So put him on the Doom Box, 
which is not a great flotilla, but it's it's average, it's fine. And then you can essentially turn the Doom Box into Armada by spending twice as many points, but whatever, 16 or 14 total, I should say, because then you can add Capitaine Cheval from Pirates of the Caribbean in the same set as Jokard, actually, and he has the cargo wrecking ability for four points. So three and four from the crew is seven points, so it doesn't exceed the flotilla's seven-point cost. And then you've got another flotilla with um, cargo wrecking, basically. So not nearly as good as Armada, not as cost-effective, but still a very potent combo. And the pirates, of course, they could do the SAT thing with Calico Cat or Lee Requin or Gunner. They've got a bunch of three-point SAT crew. Um, they don't have a zero-limit ransom uh, reroller, actually, but but that's all right. So they've got plenty of other awesome stuff. So, and then before I move on, I want to make sure I mention, those are most of the plus one cargo uh, crew in the game, but I want to make sure I mention the American Cargo Master as well, even though I don't like them. Um, the American Cargo Master gives all friendly ships of the same nationality as this crew, plus one cargo spaces. This crew takes no cargo space. So the crazy thing about that is the Americans, they only have one flotilla, Minuteman, and it's kind of a weird one. Um, it's got 4L and 2S cannons with extended range, of course. But what's weird is that you can get the Cargo Master to give it multiple cargo spaces as long as the Cargo Master's on different ships. Then they wouldn't, again, they wouldn't conflict with the no stacking rule if they're on different ships. So you could give the Minuteman a bunch of cargo spaces to make her a really bizarre flotilla that could carry a bunch of crew that would be pretty safe, because um, I don't think you can board flotillas. So that's a weird one. Um, the only problem there is the Minuteman is only 7 points, so you can't really stack up a lot of offensive abilities. And in addition to that, the Americans don't have many good named crew and many good action generators that are less than 7 points, maybe none actually, almost none. Um, you could put Commodore Edward Preble aboard. He's a 6-point Admiral's Action crew, so you, if you roll a 6, you give any... To any ship in your fleet, two actions that turn. And then they do have a zero limit ransom crew as well. Um, Wayne Nolan from the same set, uh, Barbary Coast. So you could you could do that combo to get the reroll on Admiral's action. But other than that, uh, most of the good American name crew are like six or seven points or more. So it's tough to add a lot of crew to the Minuteman. You could you could make them make her a depository for like oarsmen or something to try to keep certain crew safe, but in that case, it's kind of silly, kind of more of a novelty. So some combos are available there, but it's not as good of a flotilla. And again, the American don't have, they don't have the good, cheap named crew to take full advantage of it. I def If you try to do that, I would definitely recommend the Cargo Master not on the Minuteman, because he's five points. Then you'd only have two points left over uh, to add other crew to the Minuteman if you wanted to pull that off. I guess the Cargo Master would be more safe, but... Not by a lot, because flotillas aren't super durable. So he might be, he's probably more safe on a five master, for example. So those are some good combos with flotillas that I like to use. I went over the factions that have plus one cargo space abilities. I think I got them all, but I don't know. Sometimes the database is a little bit different with the um, ability text. Uh, the Spanish do have another one, Master Bianco, cargo master, but he's seven points. So there's not, not a lot of reason to use him in this um, you know, the three-point version um, would be better on a flotilla because then you'd have more points to spend to get to the point limit, the cap of the flotilla. So good combos with flotillas there. I wouldn't always recommend using crew on them. They're still great as just dirt cheap firepower, and a lot of times you're not really going to be able to afford it. And a lot of times 
it's actually better to just put the SA2 crew with a reroller on the ship towing the flotilla so you can get into position better and get better total range rather than just pure firepower. So speed is still the most important thing. So a lot of times we'll just be better off putting SAT crew on you know ships that can actually move rather than just a flotilla. So, but it's still a fun fun combo, and that's a that's something I'll probably return to on the podcast. How to use synergistic pieces. So a lot of devastating combos available with flotillas. That's just the beginning too. I I mostly mentioned SAT and cargo wrecking, but there's other named crew you could use. Um, so it's definitely a fun one to check out and kind of investigate what you could do with them to kind of break flotillas a little bit, and they're already really good. So next up, I wanted to go over the Norvegia fleet. So this is a classic fleet style from way back in the day. This started, I would imagine, in 2005, maybe, with Revolution, or even in, yeah, I guess, yeah, because Crimson Coast came out that year, too. That's when SAC started to go kind of crazy. It was released, SAC came out in Spanish Main in 04, of course, but... Then in Revolution and Barbary and Crimson Coast, they were even more sack crew, such as Don Pedro Gilbert for the Pirates. The Pirates already had an embarrassment of riches in the first three sets. They they really flew out of the gate early and became the best faction right from the start, basically. So Norvegia is um it's basically like some kind of cheese from over in Europe or something. So the reason they call the fleet Norvegia, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but anyway. The reason they call it that is because it's like a cheesy fleet to use. So it's wicked good. It's really difficult to stop or combat. And uh, it dominated a ton of tournaments back in the day and was so good that um, some people may have, you know, not wanted to play against it. Uh, It's one of those things where you lose to it multiple times. You just, at some point, you don't really want to do competitive play anymore. So, So if you didn't have this, it was tough to win sometimes. Not necessarily, but this was definitely... One of the peak and optimal fleets in terms of competitive play for quite a while at the start. Um, so I'll get into it here. Walrim has the fleet on miniature trading. So it's called 40 point uh, pirate treasure fleet. That's 45 points total with the Sierra Limit Ransom crew, which is the Hag of Tortuga on the Banshee's Cry. And it's got the fleet description. So basically, the premise is that you, you've got two gold runners. And both of them have stack, so and you've got both of them have the island treasure trading ability. So you're you're able to trade away negative unique treasures that you find, because that's one of the better ways to stop treasure fleets is negative ETs like natives and missionary plague things like that. So with that ability, unless you get two negative ETs that are both devastating on the same island, you can trade away one of them with the island treasure trading ability. So the Neptune's horde has that ability built in. And then the second ship in the fleet, the Star of Siam, she has Don Pedro Gilbert aboard. So he's got the sack ability and then island treasure trading as well. So very devastating. Both of them have helmsmen. So the, the premise of the fleet is just a sack crew, get to islands extremely fast, get the best value coins, and then sack to get home really quickly too. So he's got um, he's got the fleet description. So, send the Neptunes toward the nearest wild island, eliminating a crew and coming back to home island. Trade, trade away low-point coins along the way, or negative ETs, of course. Send the Star of Siam to the nearest, the next closest wild island, eliminating a crew along the way. Trade away low-cost coins and build a fort. There's forts, of course, that you want to build to lock up the gold. That's one thing that competitive fleets use often. I've got that in my high-paying Fort Frenzy fleet, which did really well in uh, Vassal Tournament number 2. So... 
both pirate forts are advertised in the fleet here. Dead Man's Point and the Devil's Maw are both in the fleet. And then, send the Banshee, and, they saw the, and then you've got the Banshee's Cry, too. So you've got Neptune's Horde, which is one of the best hybrids in the game. And you just got Captain Blackheart aboard, so she can move and shoot. So as SLS Speed, uh, Island Treasure Trading, 4-3-S Cannons, Sack, multiple actions, quite often. Um, so SLS plus SLS. Um, then, one of the beauties of Sack on hybrids or gold runners is that the more crew that you sack, the more space you have available for the gold. So it looks like the Neptune's Horde would only have, looks like only one cargo space open at the beginning of the game. You can quickly sack Lucky the Parrot to open up another cargo space. And, <clears throat> and then, but then you can still use Lucky's ability um, to maybe, well, you could maybe, but anyway. So the more crew you sack, the more cargo you open up on your ship. So sack is amazing for hybrids. It's it's a really broken ability. And of course, Captain Blackheart and to a lesser degree, Don Pedro Gilbert, you're basically getting it for only two points, which obviously is too low for how effective it is. So yeah, the description says, send the Banshee's cry to the third closest wild island may not be necessary and build a fort. So there's two forts you want to build as fast as possible. And, um, so once you build the fort, it locks up the gold. Um, and this was part of the reason this was overpowered that, um, they've, sometimes they played with the old rules where, um, once the gold was in a fort that counted towards victory, but that should only happen once all gold has been unloaded or somebody has the enough gold, like 16 gold or whatever. So once the rules changed a little bit in terms of forts and counting gold, fleet became a bit less effective, but it's still an extremely effective fleet. So the reason I mention it is actually because I'm, re, I'm republishing old battle reports at Pirates with Ben every Friday, and I'm into the 2013 battle reports where this fleet, Norvegia, faced off against a modified 40-point version of Zyutu-4's Altar of Beloa fleet in a really competitive uh, series. So the Norvegia, I think it said the Norvegia fleet won three games out of four. It went three and one in that series. Although the Altar of the Low fleet um, is normally a 60-point fleet, so I had to um, take it down a bit to get to the 40-point level of Norvegia, but still a really fascinating matchup and a fascinating series. So, um, yeah, so looking at the description, it really is amazing. And Norvegia did decently in Vassal Tournament number two. Um, didn't get to the the finals. I don't think it got to the semifinals, but I can't remember exactly. Um, and then, yeah, in the description it says, a couple of additional notes. The speed of this fleet is phenomenal. With the sack, the Neptune's Horde will get to an island four and two-thirds L away, and the Star of Siam with a Helmsman five L away, both on the first turn. And on the second turn, the Banshees cry five and a third L. So, yeah, it's just crazy. So... And again, once you sack crew, you start opening up cargo to get more gold. So it is very dependent on stack. So Plague and Missionary would be good ones to try to hit this fleet with. But it does have an event, the Divers. And it's got some UTs as well, which increases the total value of gold in play. Um, and sometimes those UTs kind of backfire. I actually don't like Rum or Buried Treasure because it says... The ship can't be given an action the turn after loading either of those UTs, which can really be bad. Because if you miss a turn with any ship, 
at any time during a 40-point game or like a competitive game, uh, you can almost count on that ship getting hit or like like sunk or captured, things like that. Um, so it's those new T's can definitely backfire. So sometimes I think I took them out when I use this fleet in competitive play. So anyway, and yeah, I've got some comments on the fleet actually that I submitted. Um, I see one from 2013 where the fleet beat uh, fleet using the Shui Jian, the mercenary ten master, and then it beat a French fleet with the Bonaparte um, from DJC. It looks like, and then as well as the French trio of super gold runners, the one masters that I like a lot, or that everybody likes, of course. And yeah, I actually posted the the battle reports in um, in the comments section of the fleet on Mentor Trading. And then yeah, so looks like okay. So my comment in 2017 says, after losing in the second round of Vassal Tournament Number Two, this fleet's record is now 13 and eight for a 619 winning percentage. So quite good. Quite competitive, but um, not quite one of the top like three or four fleets of all time. So very good fleet, but the the fort ruling kind of made it a little less effective. And you know, better better combos exist and better better fleets exist in general. Most of them, unfortunately, though, revolve around Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean, really overpowered crew that lets you teleport gold home um, for crew, but. That's a that's a long story for another day. So that's pretty much the best way to win, period. But and then I'm just gonna peek at my battle report I just posted. So, so I've got this battle report up. Norvegia versus Alta the Low Fleet. So I've got a link below for that as well. February 2013, way back then. Feels like a long time ago. Feels like a decade ago almost in a way. Some of my older games from like before Economy Edition in 2015 feel like feels like a different, not a different life, but it feels like a long time ago sometimes. So anyway, but yeah, so I played a series with them. So that's, so that was pretty fun. Competitive play is cool. Sometimes it gets a little bit repetitive with the, with the setups and whatnot, because you're often playing 1v1 matchups. And then, um, you know, the treasures are the same. The islands are sometimes the same, or the setup is too similar. Um, sometimes you want more than two players, but, um, but anyway, so Norvegia is definitely one of the best fleets of all time. And one and then one last thing to conclude this episode, I'll do a little bit of strategy talk before I do the next episode too. Um, so I say who to piss off in various situations you don't expect. Should you help or hurt your opponents at various times? So what I mean by that is... A lot of times the strategy for this game is underrated. I think the game is a lot more complicated than most people appreciate or even experience. So a lot of people haven't played a lot, so that's totally fine and understandable. But once you play more and you get more experience with the game pieces or play larger games or longer or bigger games in terms of the players, like eight player 40 point game is a lot more complicated than two players, uh, partly because you don't know how much gold is out there or ideally you don't. And there's just so many unknowns and so many variables potentially alliances and things like that. So um, there's a lot of situations you might not expect to come up that might show up in a game. So you got to be prepared for it. So for example, um, Pandora's Box, which is a negative UT, or not a negative one. It's actually, it's a lot of fun, but it's just, it can really catch you off guard if you're not expecting it, especially in a multiplayer game. I mentioned this because it's come up recently in Vassal Campaign 4 and the Hourly Campaign and caused a lot of chaos there. So Pandora's Box, of course, this is one of the 
QTs we'd like to talk a lot about um, at some point or go into more detail, but when revealed, each player must choose and put a unique treasure from outside the game aboard this ship. So it really opens up a can of worms, potentially, but I mention it because it's really fascinating to think about whether you should hurt or help an opponent if uh, Pandora's box shows up. So you could you could get in somebody's good graces by putting like Nemo's plans aboard or just a lot of positive UTs. Most of the game's UTs are positive in nature. There's still plenty of negative ones, but or you can you can totally sabotage them and give them the plague or something that could really cripple their fleet, especially in a smaller point game with a low number of ships. You could really devastate them. Runes of Death is a really nasty one. Um, so there is, it's a, just an interesting strategy talk on whether or not to try to hinder them or to help them, because you don't know. A lot of times it's discovered early on, of course, in the discovery phase of the game before a lot of the combat has gone down, at least potentially. So you might not know whether you should try to ally with that person or whether or not you can trust them. And then you have to you have to factor in other things too. So assuming you're playing um, against real people, maybe at your at your game table or game night, uh, you might want to take into effect like who they've allied with in the past or what their behavior is like in past games. Like, are they if you give them a negative, are they gonna like automatically come after you or might they might they forgive you things like that? Um, keep in mind, like relationships between the other players at the table. Um, if they're if they're closer, maybe they'd be more likely to be in an alliance later in the game. So things like that could be an interesting, you know, kind of like a political dynamic in in the game to figure out whether or not you should sabotage somebody or try to help them with something like Pandora's box. And then there's some other ones that you can kind of lump into that category as well. So message in a bottle is an interesting one. I guess I'll look that one up real quick, too. Um, so let me just look it up here so I can read it real quick. This one is from Ocean's Edge. Immediately dock the ship at the Wild Island with the fewest treasure coins on it. If there is a tie, your opponent chooses which tied island the ship docks at. So a lot of times there will be a tie because by the time this is found, sometimes there's... Well, a lot of times either it's found early on, so then... All the other islands might have the same amount of gold. If they all start with four coins, for example, and you find this, then they're all tied, except for the island you found it on. Or, a lot of times, the opposite could happen, where it's found, and then most of the other islands in play, or at least multiple options, have no gold left, so they're empty. So, it's quite often that there will be a tie, and then your your opponent chooses which tied island the ship stocks at. It doesn't say the opponent to your left or right, so I guess you would... Just try to figure that out, I guess. Um, maybe it's in the pirate code. I'm not going to look it up right now. I'm almost done with the podcast. But uh, but this is another case where you could actually you could help them by putting them closer to your closer to their home island, for example. Or you could sabotage them and dump them, dump their ship right next to yours, and then you could open fire and try to steal gold or something. So it's another another interesting dynamic that could play out um, with something like message in a bottle. And then Maps of Hades is another one that you could use to toy with an opponent or something similar. So, all right, so that's about half an hour doing some some shorter podcasts. So, because uh, that's what's been suggested, especially recently in the survey suggestion results and whatnot, and some other podcast surveys I've seen out there. So question of the day is how do you use pieces synergistically? So what are your favorite combos? 
any combos that um, that you haven't really seen talked about, maybe some obscure combos that you like to use that aren't as popular as like SAT plus reroll, or, you know, obviously Captain Helmsman on every gunship, for example. So how do you use pieces synergistically? Feel free to leave comments in the section below um, on YouTube or wherever else you can find it. I might make this a post at Pirates with Ben. But anyway, that's the question of the day. Feel free to answer that and as well as give give me ideas or give us ideas on what to talk about in future podcasts. So thanks for listening. This was Pirate CSG podcast number 36. I'm a Centrix fan, Ben, and have a great time.